Hello and welcome to the YSA podcast this week with uh, your hosts Lewis Taylor and Anthony Dayton. Anthony Dayton. And the guest that we've got is... Owen Cepeda, formerly known as Elder Cepeda. There we go. So before we get into this podcast, I'll over to Tony for an announcement. So announcement. Just one announcement. Um, so just so you know, every third Sunday at the YSA building, there is going to be a devotional. Uh, by the time this is a release, there would have already been one. So your next one will be in February. Every third Sunday. Every third Sunday. So, Owen. It's so, it's so weird to call you Owen still. Yeah, it's weird um, to call me on. Yeah. <laughs> so introduce yourself, I guess. Like, uh, who, who are you? Where are you from? All right. So my name is Owen uh, Cepeda. I'm from Dublin, Ireland. Not America, despite what my voice sounds like. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a, a missionary here about five months ago. I got released and I served in the YSA ward for six months. But most of these probably don't know me anymore because it's all changed. So I'm back for, for two days to see Callum off on his mission. Cool. And, um, yeah, yeah Elvis, well, Owen. Is that how you pronounce it? Owen? Owen, yeah, yeah. Owen, yeah, yeah. yeah. Owen was one of the missionaries that, um, I suppose you kind of fellowshipped me after I was baptised as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. It, yeah. I was being um, class fellowship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, your whole mission here, I've seen you about a lot because I moved from one ward to another. So, I was going to ask you more or less on this podcast about this mission more or less. Okay. So, like, um, one, when you got called here, did you expect to be called here? Or were you surprised to be called here? So, when I was doing my mission papers, I was really, really lazy. And <laughs> <laughs> just, just typical own. And I really wanted to go somewhere like Ghana, because I've been to Ghana before, or New Zealand, somewhere really foreign and exotic, so I could brag to people that I've been there. <laughs> and I definitely didn't want to learn a language. In fact, on my mission papers, when they asked you what language you, you didn't, did in school, and they asked your grade, I actually dropped my grade a lower than I actually got, because I knew on any other day I would have probably failed the exam. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was pretty certain that I wasn't going to, to Europe, and I was hoping I'd go somewhere really foreign. Um, but then my mission call came in the door, and I was absolutely terrified that I'd actually go really far in because I realized I hate food. Like food that I don't know, <laughs> can't do it. I just can't stomach it. I'll throw up. So I opened up the call, and when I saw Manchester, I was actually unbelievably delighted. I was like, oh, I support Manchester United, best team in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's right across the water, and I'll know people. So it's, it's, it's good. And I can visit yeah. as I'm doing now. So I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy. Cool. And um, what... So... Um, what areas did you specifically serve in while you were here, if that makes sense, like in terms of oh, okay. how we split up in Manchester, the Manchester mission? So I served, the Southern mission was down south, so I was in Chester Stake, and I started off in Rill, and any time I tell somebody I lived in Rill, they always go, oh, that place. Is, <laughs> is Rill in the Manchester mission? Yeah, it is, yeah, North Wales. Yeah, yeah. It's shocking, that. Yeah, no, real. If you saw it, if you saw it, it'd be even more I, shocked, I, to be honest. I used to go to Mill when I was a kid um, for like caravan holidays. Yeah. So it was just like, yeah, I know what real is like. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. I can promise you that. <laughs> Not much has happened there these days. So that's where I started. And then I went up to Wyfield in the Ashton Stake. Yeah. Uh, and I was there for four and a half months. Then I went down to Morton, the Wirral, and was with a bunch of scousers for a while, or at least plastic scousers. Um, and then I came to the YSA ward hey, I had the best hey. six months ever that was absolutely class six months? yeah six months 
I was there for flipping ever. I actually thought my mission president forgot about me at one point. I remember, I think on fourth transfer, I emailed him. I told him, like, you know, I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I'm only joking. And I was like, well, no, I don't speak Chinese. But just so you know, that I've been here quite a while. And uh, yeah, then I went on to, to Newtown, which was a branch of 15 people. And it was a bit grim, to be honest. I won't lie. It was a bit of a different experience. And then <laughs> 15 people. Yeah, there was more sheep than, than members, to be honest. <laughs> I was in the back ends of absolutely nowhere in a really, a really cold flat during the snow. Our heating had broken. Um, so I was like just, just praying that I'd get out of there eventually. Um, and then I did. And I, went to, I went to Chester for my last two transfers and absolutely loved it. It was pretty good. Nice wow. sun. Had a good companion. Got the work done. So, yeah. Cool. Um, what would you say is the, was the hardest, hardest area in terms of, in terms of not just living there and being around, but in terms of like, like doing your um, purpose or fulfilling your purpose as a missionary? Um, 100% real. Like without a doubt, it was, it's actually easy to pick. For my first, like I, I went in thinking I was going to baptise the entire town. Like I was just going to absolutely destroy it. I was going to be like Alma and convert everybody. But then... For the first 12 weeks, we had, I think, one sit-down lesson the entire time. Everything else fell through. It was really hard. And uh, the only one lesson we had wasn't even a great one. It was this man called, I remember his name was Kevin, and he was a bit crazy, to be honest. We went to his house, and he had a parrot in a cage. And he told us that he was just sitting on the couch one day, and some light came through the window, and he believed in God. But he didn't want to go to church, and he definitely didn't live a godly life. (laughs) But he had a dog. Um, and I remember sitting there and just thinking this was my only lesson I've had so far. He had this dog that was like so old, I was almost certain it was on its way out during the lesson. Like I thought, you know, this thing is going to make it to the full 45 minutes. And um, it, it slowly got up off its side one day and like just kind of wobbled over to me. And it gave up halfway and resting on my foot. And whatever disease I had, I don't know, it was, the thing was in bits, but it started shaking and vibrating on my foot. And it stayed there for the next half an hour as I listened to Kevin like ramble on about something I did not understand, didn't get a word in. Um, and then I told him we might be back. <laughs> we invited him to church and then we never saw him again. <laughs> okay. That's crazy. Yeah. That was a fun experience, but it was definitely a hard one. Were you teaching like the plan of salvation? Were you using the dog as an example? Or? Uh, no, I was trying to teach the restoration, but oh. we, we mentioned one thing and then he gave us his complete life story. Like oh, okay. from basically his childhood to being in prison to finding God. And then it's a little bit extra that we didn't really understand. Yeah. And the whole time the dog was more or less visiting the next world. <laughs> he was he had one the foot in the grave. Yeah. And the other. So, uh, okay. And were there any kind of times where you were teaching? Or, I know you've, because I remember like the other year, mm-hmm. um, I know you, Tony, um, it was like around Halloween time or something. And everyone that was a return missionary started telling like spooky stories and like what happened on the mission. <laughs> yeah. Were there any kind of times where you were kind of scared during your mission? Yeah, it was here in YSA actually. Okay. And like, like I usually when I heard those stories, I was like, ah, come on, like no way, that's true, no way that happened. But this is proper scary, and when I think about it, it freaks me out still. <laughs> so for those listening, you might remember Elder Malpage. He was his own leader here in uh, the Manchester zone, and uh, I was on I was on exchanges with him, and we went over to Moss Side, 
um, which is, <laughs> was really a bad start from the beginning. <laughs> but there was a, a re- not recent convert there. She was a member in Stockport Ward, and she was really interested in coming back to the church. And Elder Sengson, who was my companion at the time, and Elder Arius, had been there the day beforehand and had a really powerful lesson where she wanted to go on a mission. So we were going to drop by and teach her again. And um, So we get there, we drive there in the car, and it's like super dark outside. It's rainy because it's like, it's October Always time. raining in Manchester. Yeah, classic. <laughs> we couldn't expect any more um, or any less. And so we, we go around to the house and the front light's on, which is like normal, and the TV's on and we can see, but the blinds are closed. Mm. And so we knock on the door and like there's no answer. So we knock again and then we keep knocking and we like, find it really weird because she'd confirmed that day that she's going to see us. Um, and we look in the window and we see her two younger sisters. They're probably about like 15 and maybe 11. Mm-hmm. And they're there laughing. And we're like, like but, but not like at us or anything. Just like having a conversation and laughing. Like, oh, maybe they don't hear us. So I go back over the door and I tell them Malvage to look in the window and like see if they react. And I like hammer on the door. Like the thing shook. Like I hit it so hard. And nothing from them. And so like, we found it really strange. So we were like, all right, we'll go around. Her grandmother lives around the corner. So we'll go, her, go, to, go to her grandmother's house and see what's up. And we go there and no answer. So we're like, okay, this is really strange. Um, so we go back around there, like maybe they're like just mocking us, like maybe they don't want to see us anymore. Yeah. So I told all the mothers to look in the window again, and because we've been gone for about five minutes, like we'll scare them. And so again, I bang on the door as loud as I can, and it's absolutely nothing. And I'm like, how can they not hear us, even if the TV was on? So we're getting like pretty freaked out at this stage, because this thing is strange. It's like almost we're in a different world, like they just, all noise is blocked out. Yeah. And so Elder Malvage looks in the window, and then I'm like, okay, let me see. And I look in the window. Because there's like a little window in the door. Sorry, that's what we're looking through, into the hallway. And so if you can try and picture this, if you're listening. In the hallway, you see the hallway going right down. You see the stairs at the end. There's the door to the right, which leads into the sitting room that they're in. And the light was coming from there. And then there was a mirror opposite the door. So I'm looking in. Um, I can see. I'm looking in the mirror to see if I can see into the sitting room to see if yeah, this yeah. woman's here. And I don't see anything. And as I scan my eyes across to the door, I'm not even joking, at the base of the door was like almost like some feral-looking child. Like had really... <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, like really thin. Like if you've ever seen um, King Kong, the Peter Jackson one that came out like in the early 2000s, you know that creepy child that's in that, like the yeah. creepy people? It looked like... I thought it looked like that, but it was really dark. And uh, had like the scraggly hair and it was like looking right back at me. Like right in my eyes. Oh my days. <laughs> so I got such a fright. I was like, El Mother, did you see do you see the kid? And he looks in and it's not there anymore. The kid the kid's gone. Um, <laughs> and so we were like, What is that? And so at that point we were like, Yeah, let's just leave. And then I asked him, it was like the kid had like black hair, like jet black hair, was really tanned. Like did she babysit? Like, no, because they're all from like East Europe, so they're like pale and like blonde yeah. hair. Okay. So we had no idea what it was, but um I suggested Ella Malfage, like, do you think it was something else? And the minute I said that, we both just got, like, a really bad feeling in the car. We were still in Mossad at the time, and we pulled over, and we had, like, say a prayer, yeah. and we felt, like, super creeped out the entire time. <laughs> and the worst part is they never got in contact with that girl again. They never, they never were able to get in contact with her again. Really? They got a call off some randomer telling them not to go near her again. Yeah. But it was, that was the only time in my mission that I felt, yeah, there's, there's other forces at play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy, isn't it? Creepy. Uh, I think that's... <clears throat> I'll say it's almost standard for most missionaries. Like, you go on a mission, you serve, and there's always going to be that one bad experience you have. And you have to say a prayer after just yeah. to like invite the spirit back. 
what's a bigger testimony builder? You know, if, if, you have, if you have a demon come at you, obviously then it's all true. <laughs> like, uh, true now. Yeah, like Moses probably believed in God way more after after he, having had things appear to him and trying to stop him. Like, come on. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say to that. Because I'm like, That's Manchester for you, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, could have been my side. So that was a scary experience for me. <laughs> well, at least you got something to remember the area by. So yeah, I'd rather be something a bit better than that. But yeah. <laughs> and um, and I suppose like we're near to the end of this little bit of segment, so I think we'll move to a song. But I'm yeah. going to ask you a question after. Okay, same segment. question after. Yeah. So whose songs it first? We'll do my song, I guess. <clears throat> this is a uh, rusted root. Uh, Send me on my way. Oh, that's a tune. Yeah. I've heard this before. But oh, you have heard oh, this before. That's good. Have I? Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay.
Alright, so that was uh, Send Me On My Way by Rusted Root. Okay. Also from Matilda, very good film. It's from Matilda? It's in the film Matilda, yeah. What part? You know, uh, it's the bit where she's like making pancakes with her mind. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Everything's just moving around the kitchen. She like, like, looks at the butter and it, <laughs> <laughs> it just comes, comes over to her. her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, the best superpower ever, just like. It actually would be class, like. You never have to do anything. No. You wouldn't need anything that's like wireless because you can do it all with your brain anyway, yeah. so that's fine. You sorted. That's what I want. We've had this conversation before on this podcast at some point, I think. Have you actually? Like a superpower you want. I'm just not going to drop it in because I always drop it in every podcast. AI. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, here we go. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I, was, I literally so, had a conversation with Ollie about that yesterday. It crops up in every conversation. I'm telling you, it's going to go. Anyway, hey, let's not go there. Let's not go there because people are probably already bored of it, right? Whoever listens to this on the day. I get scared of that sometimes. You know how we talk about like just such random stuff on this podcast? Like we've talked about the Conor McGregor Khabib fight before. We've talked yeah, about well, AI. We've talked about just stuff. And I'm like, do people really care about this? Like, how do we have listeners still? Like, <laughs> I really don't understand that. Do like, you measure your listeners? Wait. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> just assuming. Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. We have like 300 clicks, but I don't know if yeah. that's all the same person or whether that's just. <laughs> it's Lewis, it. just refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing on, on the analytics page, it shows, okay, it's had 300 clicks, and then, so, like, it, it varies so much from episode to episode. You, I also think can't... it depends on the person on the podcast as well, because if that yeah. person is known and they'll go, oh, I've just been on this podcast and all their family will ju- listen yeah. to it and all their uh, yeah. friends will listen to it and stuff. So, so I'm going to have to go ahead and sponsor this now. Like, mate, Elder Quinn and Sister Quinn's podcast probably had the biggest because... Oh, really Because he, yeah. he, 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 he rang, like, people in the US, you know, and goes, <laughs> yeah, they've got this podcast on and stuff and they do it. You should L- listen that, to literally, it. I think it was the first day it had, like, 300 clicks. I was yeah. like, how is this happening? And then I've had others, I won't say who, they've only had, like, 20 or 30. Elder Quinn just goes like the extra mile for everything. Like, if you ask him to get you a bottle of milk, you'd come back with like a cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd like buy you a dairy farm. Right. <laughs> He's that, like, here's all the milk you'll ever need. That, that is quote what S. That's, that, 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 yeah, is, that is a quote. I got, it, I got it on recording as well. So it's yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that, that was Elder Wind who had like the dairy farm. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was Elder Wind, yeah. He'll milk it in front of you as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Elder yeah. Quinn, I actually love that man. Yeah. So yeah. much. So much. But, um, going back to the point, I do think that we just talk rubbish sometimes on this. <laughs> I think, I don't know, maybe we just need to throw in, like, some random subject with the person and we talk about it with them. Like, we just say, aliens. What do you think of aliens? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, just, just our theme, our podcast around a certain subject, maybe, yeah. and get, like, a... There's no real specialist that we know on aliens, but someone who's like <laughs> me- mega interested in aliens in the world, I'm sure there is. You should one. never trust anyone that says they're a specialist for aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about that logic. Like, <laughs> no, Say it slowly. Yeah. <laughs> really understand what you're Not specialist, about. but like really interested. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who has any. Who's kind not of interested in aliens, man? Who's, who, who's not. It's, everyone is, but like it's very uh, not subjective. I don't know what the word is. It's very. 
It's different measurements of who, how interested you are. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a very out there topic, like, yeah, like Bigfoot. It's very like a <laughs> big Bigfoot. No, hang Bigfoot. on, I can get behind Bigfoot. We talked, <laughs> we talked about Bigfoot on this podcast before. I just dropped my phone. We have a missionary in the mission who who told me a story, and he said he saw Bigfoot. <laughs> he saw Bigfoot. Yeah, he's been serving his hide right now. Elder that. Anderson. He told me he saw Bigfoot. He was. I'm not even joking. He was in some area because okay, so Elder Anderson basically his family provide all the boats and quad bikes for Discovery Channel in Alaska. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, pretty good job to have. Yeah. Um, so he, they're always taking part in these things. And they're walking in some part of Alaska somewhere one day. And of course, they have their guns out because they're Americans. Um, <laughs> and Elder Anderson was like a bit behind him and his, his older brother and his dad. And he just felt like really off the entire time. He felt like someone was watching him. And he looked behind, we couldn't see anything. He just felt uneasy the entire time. Um, so they were hiking for about three hours and he felt this more or less the whole way. And anyway, they left, they got on the boat and they went back to where they were from. And he, he told his dad how he felt. And his dad and brother was like, yeah, we felt a bit weird as well, to be honest. So they look up about this place in Alaska and they find out that like, there used to be a town there and it's completely abandoned. There was an airstrip and everything. It's mm-hmm. completely abandoned. And there's some monster, they gave it some name to it, but it's going to be Bigfoot, apparently. And the story goes that it basically was killing people in the town, like just going on a rampage until everybody fled. And the, like the only known account of someone seeing him was this hunter was in his cabin and he looks out, the, out his window and he sees this really tall, hairy beast in the woods and he aims his scope at it. He takes his gun and aims his scope at it. And when he looks through his scope, it's looking right back. All my stories have somebody looking right back at you. <laughs> but this thing was looking right back at him with red eyes. And apparently when he went to pull the trigger, but he wasn't able to, something was stopping him from pulling the trigger. And so he left. Okay, hang and on. A, and the whole town. Right, I've, I've actually got the sequel to that story. <laughs> what? I've, I, no, the, the, the Greek, I, I'm not even the kidding. The Greek <laughs> <laughs> No, not, not on a mission, no. This is honestly a prequel story. So, I'm, okay, I'm serving my mission, though. My companion, he tells me a story about... Um, I, this is some deep Mormon stuff here. I, you can look into it if you want, but I don't, I don't know how... You have to verify, basically. I don't know if it's true. But you know how it says in Genesis that God cursed Cain yeah. and killed Abel? So my companion, Elder Potter, he was telling me how um, basically the way God cursed Cain was to make him hairy, right? And make, he, he put a mark upon him. That's yeah. what you can read in the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I've heard this sort of story about how um, the mark that Cain has is that he's hairy, he's tall, and he's big. And that's what a lot of people would call Bigfoot. Does, does it not say as well that like he has to roam... He has to run uh, the world, well, and he will never. Bag, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he will ever be killed. That's yeah. the thing. So he will never be killed. So if you try to kill him, what will happen? The thing is, uh, I don't know if it was Sidney Rigdon or someone, but they were riding their horse. This was like early days of restoration. I think oh like yeah, um, what's the apostle that wrote Miracle of Forgiveness? He tells the story about Sidney Rigdon. Uh, it's not Kimball, is it? Yeah, yeah. Spencer Kimball tells Spencer the story. W. He tells book. the story. In yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I need to read that book. That's meant to be a good book. Miracle of Forgiveness by Spencer W. Kimball, but. Apparently, Sidney Rigdon, he's on his horse, he's riding to see the prophet, Joseph Smith, and he's riding out, and this, mar- this kind of large, hairy guy runs up to him, looks him on the eye, like, on, he's sitting on this horse, but this guy is, like, kind of almost the same height, looks at him, then just runs away. Apparently, it was Cain. Yeah. That's, that's what my companion told me. You might have to verify it, but... And the point of that story was that Sidney Rigdon was on a horse, and he was at, like, eye-to-eye level. Yeah. It? So that's why he it was pretty creeped out. That's how tall Cain is, and that's, like... 
That'd be scary as. Yeah. So <laughs> the other Elder Anderson in the mission, because they were all serving together at the same time. Yeah. When, we, when, the other one, when one told the Bigfoot story, the other said that his brother saw Bigfoot on his mission as well. Apparently, he was on a bus, he looked at the window, and there was Bigfoot that was eye level with him, red eyes as well. And then he looked <laughs> outside the bus. <laughs> I know. He's uh, he, was, he was serving in some like, super foreign country. He was like, serving in Leeds. Middle of. <laughs> That's just one of the locals. <laughs> one of the ladies on a nice <laughs> night out. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I didn't believe that one as much. I think he was telling a fib or two. But yeah, he saw Bigfoot right outside the bus. Just saying. Just, just adding to the adding to the topic. <laughs> I just got this like picture in my head of like him and his companion looking forward on the bus, and then he just turns right and he just sees that Bigfoot face. <laughs> <laughs> on a night out in Leeds why not <laughs> in the club <laughs> sprinting with the boss <laughs> no but it's interesting more more from Mormon conspiracy theories <laughs> <laughs> gotta love them you gotta love them yeah Bigfoot it's, a, it's an interesting one though the, the Bigfoot thing I've I don't know with Bigfoot whether I believe in it or not <laughs> I definitely like, don't <laughs> I, no it's one of those that I really want to be true but I don't know. <laughs> X Files. I want to believe. I want. I want it to be true, but I don't. I don't think it is. There is a thing called like. Gar- it's called gargantuan or whatever it's called. Gargantua. Gargantua. Oh, I don't the, know. The it's like a scientific. There's a proper scientific name for it, but it's like a, a natural species that became extinct. That was actually like. How did these hairy. animals go? Like, I know so, they had to go extinct. It's like ice age, but like. Have you ever seen, like, the massive shark? How does that... No, no, mega, what Megalodon me- or something. How does me- that go Megalodon. extinct? How does that die? <laughs> I, th- I think maybe just because it's, like... Not because of just lack of food, because it's, it's probably plenty of food back then, but I reckon it's more, like, to do with either climate or changes, maybe. Oh, this is, this is something I'm really interested in. You know how um, Darwin proposed this theory of adaptability? So if the, the, the thing that survives the best is able to adapt to its environment. Yeah. yeah. Like, for example... The cockroach. Yeah, the cockroach is well adapted to its environment. Or, like, the camel, for example. It's got humps in its back. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it survives perfectly in the desert, but in, like, you know, the Antarctic, it would probably die. I, I reckon it's the same with, like, ancient animals like that. How, like, imagine a huge super shark. The environment changes and it just can't survive. Yeah. That's what I imagine. Maybe. But, oh, what I think is it maybe it adapt, adapted itself to become smaller. So it's still there. Like, it's probably a great white, but over thousands of years, the great white morphed into the great white from the megalodon, maybe. Oh, I don't good know. point. Like, I'm so happy that they're all dead. I know that sounds really bad. Like, I'm glad they're all gone. Yeah. Like, you know, the worst you got to do now is, like, run away from a dog. You can't run away from, like, a raptor. <laughs> you're late for your bus, and it's like, oh, flip the raptor, no! <laughs> it's like, this is already bad enough day. Like, you're running late, and then you have a dinosaur running after you. <laughs> yeah. Worst. You've been watching too much Jurassic Park, I think. Yeah, I probably have been, to be honest. That's a good film. But imagine... No, but it's still stuff that's like... I suppose, yeah, there's no real predators to kind of worry about. But I think this stuff that's becoming extinct even now, I think... I think rhinos will become extinct in our lifetimes. Really? Yeah, didn't like the leopards. And pa- pandas as well. But pandas is a weird one because it's like... It's not like they're being hunted or anything like that. It's just... They just won't reproduce. You know what? <laughs> like, they refuse to just reproduce, so it's like... Yeah, just die now. Just die anyway. Do you know a lot of sloths <laughs> die from falling out of trees when they're sleeping? 
Running. I'd probably die if I was a sloth. <laughs> like, easily. I can't sleep anywhere. Like, absolutely anywhere. Yeah. I had a 35-minute flight here, and I still slept on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep for 30 minutes and woke up. It was a power nap. It was wonderful. So it's all... well, this got really deep, though, all of a sudden, with, like, wildlife and animals dying off. But to make it even darker, I found the name of that place where Bigfoot was saw. So if you Google Portlock Bigfoot, yeah. a bunch of results will come up about this town that was abandoned because of the monster that terrorized the town. No way. I did just text a missionary and found out. Portlock. Portlock. Look that up. Go there next, folks. <laughs> Scary place. <laughs> and on that subject, we'll go to the song. <laughs> we'll go to your song oh yeah so I had to pick an Irish artist which most of you don't know are Irish but it's Hosier that's a song Jackie and Wilson it's probably one of my favourite songs cool hope you like it Cigarette, and she's already left. I started digging. 
looking up the yard for what's left of me in our little vignette. But whatever poor soul is coming next, she's gonna save me, call me baby. What song was that now? That was Jackie and Wilson by Hosier. I yeah. always liked it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm okay. a DJ in my spare time. <laughs> you actually? No. <laughs> yeah, it was well disappointed. So, <laughs> we can tell. So, just just so people know, Callum from previous podcast just joined in. Hello. So, <laughs> what we were talking Bet about. You're glad to hear I'm oh, back. Yeah. <laughs> you, you said you got a. Oh yeah, so we're just talking about tithing and, and how we compare, right? Oh, yeah. uh, I was just talking about my how upset I am with this online tithing thing, whatever it's called. Because it's I, so when I first got my job when I got back home, I, uh, I it took me a while to get like my card sorted or something like that. So I couldn't like take my money out and pay my tithing. So it built up. So I had a bit of money to pay for my tithing, and I was like, okay, I'll just pay it online, sort it. It'll just be done. And, you know, that comes out straight away. I found out though it takes three to five days to come out of your account. So I had a certain amount that I couldn't spend and I couldn't make sure my bank account didn't go underneath that. I'm trying to be a good member by paying my tithing following the commandments. So I do that and I don't buy anything for about five days to make sure that there's enough in my account to pay that money off. Um, And then on the fifth day, I forgot I had a subscription I had signed up to that had come out and renewed itself. So my account then went under by like 10 euro. That's that's That was just 10 euro off. And because of that, the church couldn't pull the money out the the payment bounced in my bank account and I then got charged another 15 euro for my bank account by the bank for having the, the money bounce in my bank account. So oh no. in trying to follow the commandments, I actually lost 15 euro. <laughs> I ended up not paying my tithing that week. So yeah, it was very, very annoying. And so cash in hand, brown envelope underneath the table. Underneath the table? <laughs> the usual way, you know? Oh uh, yeah, I get you. <laughs> Straight into the bishop's hand. Okay. <laughs> bad, for the, bad for the environment, that though, isn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, fine. You've got this beautiful planet and you're just destroying it. Yeah, we print off thousands of moments. <laughs> you think they care? <laughs> it's, they should just do everything electronically, but I yeah. do get that they have to cope, you know, cater for like areas where mm. you haven't got internet or electricity like Ireland. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, where things are a bit backwards. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair you enough. thought this was a podcast, and we're just roasting you now. <laughs> <laughs> this is all the supply to get me into a room, embarrassing online. All right. So, I'm not going to talk about Big Four. <laughs> right. So, I don't, I don't, no, we shouldn't. Really no, 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 we shouldn't. Right. You had no, a question you were going to ask. No, me yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, I was going to ask. Right. So. While Callum's here as well, oh. how did you start teaching Callum, and how was it teaching Callum? Okay, so I didn't like actually do much to be able to teach Callum. I think I gained Camilla's trust. That was about it. And by gaining her trust, I basically harassed her for about three weeks until she finally said Callum wants to meet missionaries. But uh, so actually, yeah, this is a funny story. So Callum came to church one Sunday, and <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Wait, yeah, so I'm because we're in the YSA ward. You already know a lot of missionaries just teach. Um, Chinese converts mm. and it's very hard to find somebody who is English to teach and because I don't speak a word of Mandarin I was obviously no good at teaching these people so I needed to find people to teach and I was like oh, I work with members 
And so Callum came one Sunday, he was in a suit, you know, looking fresh. Um, but I assumed, yeah, he was yeah, just, I assumed he was just a member, right? So I didn't say anything to him. I was just like, oh, I could probably give him a wave, I don't know. Um, but like a week later, he's shaking his head. A week later, <laughs> I was sitting downstairs on the couches and I was like, all right, I'm going to walk up to this big group of YSA and just ask them if there's anybody I can teach and baptize. So I went up and did that. And they all laughed. <laughs> but then behind them all, Camilla was like, I do. And I'm like, oh, what? So I run over to Camilla and she has her laptop set up. And sure enough, Callum was Skyping her. He was topless, by the way. He was showing off the guns um, <laughs> to the whole world. And I had a chat with him. And after I walked away, I, I whispered to Camilla, I was like, we're going to baptize him. I said that to her. I said that to her day one. I said, we're going to baptize him. And then for three weeks, I just kept going up to Camilla. And I was like, hey, does Callum, you know, does he want to meet with us? Like, is he ready to meet with us? And eventually Camilla came up one day and was like, Callum wants to meet the missionaries. So that's how we, that's how we found him, I yeah. guess. That's how, that's how the introduction happened. Let me jump in. Why did you want to meet the missionaries? What prompted you so, to meet the missionaries? Um, at that point, I'd already been to church a few times. I was already reading the Book of Mormon and I... I did. I was asking. I was directing most of my questions at Camilla, mm. um, and she was fine. Like she could, she could cope with them. But she was like, "We actually have a process for this set up in church. Like, if you want to know more, like we have these people called missionaries um, who are willing to teach you." Um, and so you took it from there, basically. Uh, well, not straight away because I'm going to be honest. I thought all the missionaries were weirdos. <laughs> they are not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can say that I'm about to be one of them. <laughs> but um, I just thought, and I was really reluctant to meet. But I think. Um, in between kind of what you described of, with me agreeing to be taught and the FaceTime, I think I'd met you a couple of times since then because I think I was coming to church and I think I liked you. I think I think what, class. what helped was the fact that, this might sound bad, but you weren't like American. Fair, um, fair. <laughs> I, think, I think the fact that you were like a little bit closer to home, I think we got on quite well anyway. I think just... I was interested in the church anyway, and just like the fact that I, I did seem to get along with you probably meant, you know what, I'll just give it a go. It does so, feel sometimes when, when you talk to like, and this is no offence on Ameri- you know, American or foreign <laughs> missionaries, right? But when, you talk, when you're from a country and, you, and you're trying to talk to someone and they're trying to inform you or tell you about something, it seems like, or it feels like you're gonna, they're trying to sell you something, yeah. right? Whereas if it's someone from your area, yeah. then they can, only, they can talk about their experiences. It just felt, yeah, it felt more genuine. Like, I did know that you wanted to teach me, and I knew, obviously, I knew that you had a purpose as a missionary, but it felt like a little bit more genuine than that. Yeah, no, it was, it was. And I got it in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Secure Re- the deal. Result. <laughs> <laughs> All the numbers. So, <laughs> so you're gonna say something after I kind of jumped in. I don't know where you can remember it now. Oh yeah, I was gonna say so that's how we that's how we that's how we met. Yeah. And teaching Callum, uh, that was a very painful experience. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed teaching him, but it frustrated me beyond belief because what we do is we teach a lesson. Callum would understand it. He'd have some questions. He'd have some questions. But it went seemingly well. Yeah, it went, it? it went pretty well. And then we'd leave him with an invitation to do something. And most of the time, it was read and pray about the Book of Mormon. That was always the invitation, along with something else. And then we'd come back, like, come, have you read and prayed about the Book of Mormon? He's like, yeah, yeah, I've read it. And then it's like, okay, do you feel anything? And every time, he was like, oh, I, don't know, I don't really know. And at this time of mission, I was trying to change my teaching style and trying to be more kind of like, let the spirit work and let yeah. just leave him to it. 
And so every week I'd come back and I'd just keep asking them and keep asking them and keep, and I went for 11 weeks. <laughs> and the boy just wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't budging. <laughs> but I remember the best one was when we had to teach the law of chastity, um, <laughs> the word of wisdom. And you were in the class. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I remember, all we, I'm saying is I nearly got Tony on side. <laughs> that was so good. I was wearing that. I remember that because oh, Camilla was like, "Oh, should I join in?" I was like, eh, "You know what? We're, we're going to have Tony in on this one." <laughs> and Tony came in, and we're there, you know, talking about the law of chastity or an order of wisdom, why we keep it. And Calum, in all fairness, is giving different points of view. And you know, it was in a fair way, though. It like, was it in a fair way. It wasn't way arguing. Like, well, I think this. But yeah. then every now and then, Tony would pipe up and be like. You know what, Calum? I, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. I'm looking at Tony like, Tony, no, you... Can you, give an example, can, you, can you give an example of a question or would it be inappropriate to uh, share on the podcast? So, I think one of the questions would have been something like, so, why, why do you think to keep a lot of chastity before marriage is important, like, in a relationship sense? And then, I suppose, the answer which you'd want me to find would be just because it makes... It helps, kind of, if you do end up planning on having kids, it means that they're brought up in a more stable environment. It's a, probably a more loving thing to have only have ever, ever experienced that one kind of thing with the person who you're eternally married to, which is fine. But I, what I was saying is that you can... What, the point that I made was something along the lines of, well, you can fall in love before you're married, and having sexual relations doesn't always necessarily lead to kids. And... Also, if you do love someone that much and want to express love for someone that much and they feel that vice versa, then I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. And I've definitely said something along those lines I could just say to you, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I was taking notes in the car. He's got a real good point. And, and the thing, it wasn't like Tony was just being nice. Like we got in the elevator after and Tony again was like, Callum, you really made me see a different way. <laughs> and I was worried. I was like, I just, I'll just call him president. Like, he's no, going less <laughs> no, the thing, The thing I really loved about that, Callum, you were so genuine that lesson. Yeah. I've never really heard someone be so honest in that way because whenever someone has that sort of conversation, it's a large conversation. Yeah. It can always go quite uh, in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But you were so honest, and I think the way you were teaching it, it really just, did just make me appreciate and understand things in a different way. Yeah. I mean, having grown up in the church my whole life, it, it definitely helped me understand. It was a good lesson. <laughs> I loved it. Like, what, right, let me ask. Was that the hardest lesson to teach him? Or what would you say was the hardest lesson? Um... I wouldn't say it was a hard lesson to teach. It was just, it was a long one. I think, like, Preacher Gospel says, like, 45 minutes. But we were there for, like, two and a half hours, yeah, easily. Yeah. Like, we were sweating it out of him. We are like, <laughs> we'll get him through perseverance. <laughs> but, um, oh, the hardest lesson to teach, I don't, I don't know. I think Joseph Smith was probably one of the biggest yeah. things that we were trying to yeah. teach. Um, I think I was just thinking that. Like, it wasn't hard to teach, but it was, like, I guess, help to, wrap, to help wrap your head around the kind of, yeah. why he did certain things, and yeah, et cetera. Yeah, because, I mean, you could argue that that he was a bit of a controversial figure. Yeah. And I think uh, that was probably one of the ones where, like, with early church history, that I probably had my biggest kind of, like, gripe with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just teaching about Joseph Smith and the early saints was probably the most difficult thing to probably teach me about, which I think is a, a difficult thing as a missionary yeah. to be on the other side of. And I feel like you dealt with it quite well. Yeah, well, I remember that, because that, again, was going to the part where I didn't want to just give you answers to things. Yeah. I wanted to find them yourself. And so that's why one reason why it took 11 weeks. Mm. But then we had that lesson 
where we went in and then we sat down and I was like, all right, calm, just tell it, give it to me straight. <laughs> Why are you getting back so? Yeah. Well, because... <laughs> we just went through each of them and we were just yeah. like, yeah. get them, so get them out one of the, of the things, One of the things why I genuinely feel, I don't know if you remember this, but it was inspired that you were there at YSA at that point and I was just coming to church because I had known Camilla um, for a while and I, there was opportunity for me to come to church and start coming to church a lot earlier. But one of the re- reasons that I feel like it was inspired that I started coming to church at that time and you were in that ward was because I felt like, A, we got along very well, but with those kind of like difficult questions about like church history and stuff like that, I feel like you were one of the best people to deal with them. Um, because I remember you saying, I remember you saying to me something along the lines of, "I guarantee, Callum, that whatever you've seen and read, I've read it before." And like, <laughs> I don't know if you're lying. Or sounds, sounds really arrogant. Yeah, now, you know, say but, it back. but I know what you mean. But I feel like, to a certain extent, you kind of already been through what I was going through. Yeah, yeah. Which definitely. made me appreciate it a little bit more and think, well, if he's gone through that and he's still doing this, then clearly there's, it's not all it seems. I think, yeah. Like yeah. that. Yes. Very well said. I love that. <laughs> We'll play Billy Jean. <laughs> there we go.
Also, I just got one story about Elvis Petter that I remember when he was Elvis Petter. <laughs> I'm really worried. <laughs> I, th- I think it was. It might have just been after the lesson we had with Cam. So in the previous segment, we talked about that. But it was you and Elder Wong. You came up to me, and I, I was with someone else at the time. I don't remember who. I'm like, can we just show you guys something? And we did this thing called a cinnamon roll. <laughs> which, <laughs> what you do, basically, everyone's hand. Imagine if you have your hand in sort of a C shape, and you go to shake other people's hands. You need four people to make a cinnamon roll. And you squeeze your hands together, and basically the contours of your hand make something that looks like a cinnamon roll. And he, he did that. <laughs> and then he was like, okay, ready? And we're like, for what? And he just said, dear Joseph Smith. <laughs> he started praying to Joseph Smith. I was like, no. I just pulled my hand out and ran away. That's I, like the one thing in the quote book I've got of Elder Sepeda. <laughs> I remember that. And I remember being so worried because Ryan laughed at it and so did one person. But Tony seemed so outraged. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, like, you're a missionary, dude. <laughs> I was like, this is not going to end as well as I thought it would. <laughs> I regret this decision I mean, immediately. I found, I found it funny. So eventually I found it funny anyway. I was like, didn't know what happened at the time. You, but. you wrote that in my tea book. You drew a, a cinnamon roll, like a hand Did cinnamon roll. And then you wrote, Dear Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. One good thing to remember you by, but that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the only story I got of you. So. Okay, that's not as bad as I thought it would be, but still pretty bad. <laughs> So yeah, we're, we're wrapping up now, are we? Is, yeah. this, is this where I tell a, a story or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I feel like I feel like the last story that me and Callum told together. Oh, uh-huh. cute. Um, <laughs> I feel like that was sufficient for a, a nice uplifting story. So I have a good joke to tell, to tell you before we go. Um, so it's a joke uh, about a horse um, and, and his love for music, actually. Now, there's this horse, right? He's from Dublin. And he's walking down the street one day. He's just, you know, out shopping, window shopping, looking around. And he sees a busker, and he's like, this busker is playing the guitar, and he's playing the guitar so well. Like, he's really impressing the horse. People are throwing money into his suitcase, and he's like, okay, okay, I want to I wanna be a busker. That looks like you can get some decent money out of that. He goes, but I need to get a guitar. And before I can get a guitar, I need to get a job to buy a guitar. So this horse decides to apply for McDonald's, um, and that's what he does. He, gets, he goes and gets a job at McDonald's. He has the interview. He passes with, with flying colors. And he, uh, he starts working at McDonald's, flipping burgers, you know, taking cash, and just day in, day out, saving enough to get a nice guitar. And so one day he walks into a music store and he's like, hey, how you doing? My name's Mr. Horse. I want the nicest guitar you have. I've been saving up for a while now. I really want to be a musician. And so the man gives it to him. He tries it out. He strums it a couple of times, plays a couple of chords. And he, he gets this guitar. Um, but then he realizes, wait, I'm a horse. I don't know how to play guitar. So he's like, I need to go back to work, save up some money and get some lessons. So he does that day in, day out at McDonald's, flipping burgers. He's actually moved on the drive-thru at this point. He's really good at his job. Um, so that's his duties now. And he's making a bit more money, and he saves up enough money for about, about 10 guitar lessons. And then the horse is a quick learner. Okay, you've got to understand, he's a very quick learner. So he gets good at guitar really fast, like really, really fast. And he's like, you know what? I feel confident enough. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to busk. So he goes to, goes to Grafton Street in Dublin, a very famous street in Dublin, and he starts busking. And he is a major hit. Not just the fact that he's a horse playing a guitar, but he's also really, really good. And so he's there strumming away one day, you know, belting out some, some classic hit. And a giraffe walks by. And the giraffe is like, hey, Mr. Horse, you're a really good guitar player. But you know what? Every musician needs a vocalist. With my really long neck, I'm really good at singing. And can I join you here? Can I busk with you? And the horse is like, well, yeah, sure. We'll probably make more money. So now you have the giraffe who's singing, okay? He's like, he has like the voice of Michael Jackson. He's incredible. You know, Whitney Houston, think of the greats. And you have the horse, 
you know, think of like Phil Lynott from Thin Lizzy. He's an amazing guitarist. So they're, they're going away. People love him. Big crowd. And one day, a lion walks by. And the lion is like, wow, you guys have something. I play the drums. You need some drums in the background. It'll really just bring this piece together. So they're like, all right, you can join us. They now have a giraffe singing, a horse playing the guitar, and a lion playing the drums. And they are amazing. So one day, a man from the bar across the road comes over. He's like, hey, I'm looking for an in-house band. You guys seem pretty good. You're making a lot of money. Do you want to come and play for us? And they're like, well, yeah, sure. You know, we might get spotted. It's like, it's unpaid, but you'll get, you'll get tips from the people that come in. They'll, they'll put money in your case. And he's like, okay, okay, we can do that. It's like, yeah, so it'll be every Saturday night. So they're getting onto something. They're moving up in the world, playing every Saturday night in this pub in Ireland. And uh, they're getting a lot of fans. And one, after a couple of weeks... A man walks in from the big nightclub on the other side of the street. And he's like, look, people love you. I want you to come play at my nightclub. We have all famous people in there. We have you know, Elton John, Kim Kardashian. You'll, you'll be seen by a lot of famous people. I think you'd be perfect. We want you every night. You'll be on a pay. You'll make a lot of money. So that happens, and they play in the nightclub for a while. They're a massive hit. And one day, Elton John's manager walks up to him, and he's like, hey, guys, you're amazing. I need to sign you right now. I want to sign you. I work with Simon Cowell. You're going to be big. I think you can make it worldwide. The horse is over the moon, okay? He started out just busking. But first of all, he started off and stopped being a horse, and now he's going to be a worldwide musician. And they talk about it, and they think, you know, this is the right thing to do. So they signed a deal. It's like, okay, we're going to go over to Los Angeles, we're going to record an album, and we're going to, we're going to have a hit. So, you know, the horse, he has to get a couple of things back in order, back in Ireland, before things happen. So the manager says, okay, I'll fly out Mr. Giraffe and Mr. Lion. They'll get set, things set up in L.A., Horse is like, perfect, let me tie up any loose ends here. Um, but this is where the story takes a bit of a turn for the worst, unfortunately. Um, and it becomes a sad story. Because when flying over to L.A., um, a pigeon gets caught in the engine and the plane goes down. Um, and both Mr. Giraffe and Mr. Lion die horribly. Wait, could I, just, just as a reference, that wouldn't actually happen in real life. Engines, <laughs> engines are allowed to survive well, that. Well, no, it was actually a flock of pigeons. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> well... <laughs> and so the plane goes down into the Atlantic Ocean and Mr. Lion and Mr. Giraffe die. And news gets back to the horse, and Mr. Horse, and he's just devastated. He is so just distraught and he feels like he has to put the guitar down and reevaluate his life. Um, but, you know, with this devastation, he, he turns to alcohol and he, he's, he's going to a, he's just, he's drinking a lot. He's back in McDonald's. He's not happy, just flipping burgers again. And he doesn't know what to do. Um, and eventually he ends up going back to that bar where he first played. And he, he walks into the bar, and the horse walks into the bar, and the barman says, why the long face? That's my story. <laughs> and with that, we'll end it there. <laughs>